Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another Bible study session. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for another time to worship you and learn from your word as a community, as a tribe, as disciples. We ask that you open the eyes of our hearts today to hear what you're saying to us at this very moment. Father, Lord, open the eyes of our faith to see that which is eternal so that we may move with a conviction that doesn't hold on to unbelief even in the face of impossibilities but that our faith becomes empowered by your word and that our faith grows in confidence that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength and that our faith is strengthened by the finished work of the cross and in knowing that he who started this work in us is faithful to complete it until the day he returns Holy Spirit I ask that you give me the tongues of the ready writer and that you speak through me today not my words but yours Oh God, my Father, be with my mouth and teach me what you say every time I speak. My Father, give me a mouth of skillful words and wisdom. As I open my mouth, fill it with what I need to do your will. I declare that I become lesser and lesser and Christ becomes greater and greater in me. Lord, I thank you. We welcome you in our midst. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Let us recap from our last session. Um, our last session, we studied John 6, 60 to 71, and here's some quick lessons that we learned. So number one, we should be disciples who seek first to understand before we criticize. So like the Berean Christians, we should diligently search scripture and ask the Holy Spirit for clarification. So if you hear a word and it doesn't quite sit well in your spirit, ask the Holy Spirit to help you interpret or you know give you a scripture, we must be Disciples will seek first to understand and criticize the word we're hearing, right? Because sometimes it is not that the word is the problem, but that your mindset is not, doesn't have the capacity to interpret that particular word in, at that moment. And we kind of went discuss that in the last session. Number two, you must find your tribe. You must find your leaders that you've been called to or, or that have been called to you. So this is also part of like discipleship. Number three, if you really want to unlock the mysteries in God, we must cultivate a relationship with him. That is so key. That is how we experience the depth of God. Finally, we must spend time with God, have a personal relationship with him. We must grow in our love walk with him, diligently seek him, pursue an intentional relationship with the help of the Holy Spirit, because this is what strengthens our belief in God and our trust in him. So I'm going to jump right into the reading for today. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. John 7, 1. So after this, Jesus, after this, Jesus traveled in Galilee since he did not want to travel in Judea because the Jews were trying to kill him. The Jewish festival of shelters or tabernacle was near. So his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea so your disciples can see your works. Or another translation says your miracles that, you, that you're doing for no one does anything in secret while he's seeking public recognition. <laughs> if you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Wow. Can you imagine that your siblings don't believe in you? But such is, such is life, right? <laughs> Jesus told them. So you're in good company. Just putting that out there. Jesus told them, my time has not yet arrived. It has not yet come. But your time is always at hand. The world cannot hate you, but it does hate me because I testify about it, that its works are evil. 
go up to the festival yourselves. I'm not going up to this festival because my time has not fully come. After he had said these things, he stayed in Galilee. Verse 10, after his brothers had gone up to the festival, then he also went up, not openly, but secretly. The Jews were looking for him at the festival and saying, where is he? And there was a lot of murmuring about him among the crowds. Some were saying he's a good man. Others were saying, no, on the contrary, he's deceiving, he's deceptive, he's deceiving people. Verse 13, still nobody was talking publicly about him for fear of the Jews. 14, for the festival was already half over. Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. Then the Jews were amazed and said, how is this man so learned? Since he hasn't been trained, Jesus answered them, my teaching isn't mine, but it's from the one who sent me. If anyone wants to do his will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own. Verse 18, the one who speaks on his, on his own seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and there's no unrighteousness in him. Didn't Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? Verse 20, you have a demon. The crowd responded, who is trying to kill you? I performed one work and you are all amazed. Jesus answered, this is why Moses has given you circumcision. Not that it comes from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses won't be broken, are you angry at me because I, am, I made a man entirely well on the Sabbath? verse 24 stop judging according to the outward appearances rather judge according to righteous judgment that was a mouthful but trust me it's a very interesting reading so jumping right in so from verse one it says the verse says that after what happened in the synagogue so from our last session jesus was teaching in the synagogue remember that some of his disciples walked away, not the 12, but he had many disciples. So we talked about that. So they walked away from Jesus because they couldn't understand his teaching. Um, And so the text says, Jesus didn't want to walk in Judea. So he walked in Galilee. Remember he was in Capernaum. So instead of going to Judea, he, he wanted to go to Galilee instead because the Jews in Judea were trying to kill him so it was like you know what I'm just gonna go home go to Galilee and chill and stay there so he was basically avoiding the Jews in Judea he didn't want them to kill him it was not yet his time to die why this is significant is his death was his purpose right so it wasn't time for him to fulfill purpose it was not time so there's an appointed time for the fulfillment of your purpose. There's an appointed time to step into the fullness of your purpose. Stepping into the fullness of your purpose before it's appointed time can be detrimental to you and to everyone that that purpose is meant to serve. This is why sometimes we experience delays. It is all part of divine timing. Delay is not always denial. The Holy Spirit has been teaching me about the reason why God usually puts the wedding period in our lives. Proverbs 10, 22 says, the blessing of God makes you rich and adds no sorrow. Of course, the blessing of God doesn't come with sorrow. How can it? It's, it's the blessing of God. But we humans can bring the sorrow if we're not ready or equipped to receive it, to manage it, and to steward the weight of the blessing. The best example of this is the prodigal son. He couldn't handle the blessing. He squandered it and it hurt him. 
right? So sometimes we are rushing to get to that point in our lives where everything is working out, that sweet spot, like when you're fully working in purpose, you know, your life is going well, business and or your career is booming, relationships are good and flourishing, like finances are just lit. Literally, life is sweet. But getting there sooner than the appointed time can add sorrow, either because we are not mature enough to handle the blessing or we have not grown in character to become the person who can handle the weight and the responsibility of the blessing. Remember, every blessing comes with responsibility. Every promotion involves more work. <laughs> and if things don't work out properly, then we begin to blame God for the blessing. So God uses the waiting season to build us, to grow our character and to perfect us. First Peter 5.10 says, but may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish and strengthen and say to you, after you have suffered a while refers to that period of waiting. When he sees that you are ready, boom, he opens up that sweet spot for you. That life is sweet life. <laughs> so anyways, Jesus was trying to avoid getting killed, but his brothers kept insisting to go to the location they wanted to kill him. I don't know about you, but I'm confused. I'm like, I, I would question my brother, like, bro, are you sure we are blood? Because I don't get it. Like something of this relationship just reminds me of relationships in our lives. Like I thought we were blood. Why do you want me to go to where they are trying to kill me? I'm a bit confused about your thought process right now. They were even convincing him that if he went to Judea, he could perform miracles out there so that the disciples there would see what he's doing. So they could see his miracles. Like, you know what? Go to where you're going to like miss out on purpose, but you could do miracles. Like, you know, go on the wrong path of destiny, but you can still show off when you get there. Like side eye, but I get it. It's not their fault, right? And I will explain why. So Jesus was about purpose, not miracles. His brothers were focused on the miracles, not purpose, right? So many people close to us who we listen to are focused on the results of your life, not on you finding purpose. This is why you hear comments like, so what are you doing in your life right now? Where are you working now? What degree did you graduate with? Are you married? How many kids do you have? Not everyone will see your purpose or wish for you to focus on purpose. They may be more focused on the miracles, on the results that you produce. People always tend to focus on the tangibles rather than the intangibles. They almost lured Jesus away from purpose by focusing on the result rather than the why, his purpose, right? So be careful who you listen to on this journey of purpose. That is the key. Don't be so quick to prove the fruit or the result of your purpose that you end up in the wrong destination or the wrong place of assignment where you prematurely kill your purpose and in turn destroy the lives of those linked to you and, and your life and even the purpose itself. So Jesus caught on to this and focused on his focus. I respect him for that. This is why people pleasing is so dangerous when you're walking in purpose, it can lead you on the wrong path. And you can die prematurely. Your purpose can die prematurely. And every life connected to you and that purpose is pretty much gone. God has to find somebody else to raise to do that. Moving on, verse 4 to 5, his brothers were like, yo, Jesus, just go to Judea. Like, do, do what you do. Perform miracles. Flex your muscle. Show off your gift. Nigerians will say, give them, pepper them. <laughs> Why are you hiding your gift? Why are you doing things secretly when we know that? 
you actually want to be seen. So why not just show off, show yourself off to the world, right? His brothers didn't believe that he wasn't doing what he was doing to seek fame, that he was seeking purpose and to do his father's business, not looking for popularity or fame. To be honest, I'm kind of questioning the state of Jesus's brother's mind and their heart. What a mindset. But then again, you can't blame them. It means that they were not driven by purpose, but they were, they were driven by the results or the, or the spectacular and how sad is it that your family members and the closest ones to you are the ones that don't believe you? I say all this to say, as I said earlier, you are in great company. When you're purpose-driven, your family and closest friends may not believe you. Don't worry, Jesus already worked, worked that for you. And he's showing us how we can handle that. Remember, Luke 4, 24, Jesus said, truly, I tell you, he can, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. <laughs> This example of Jesus and his brothers really tells us why we need to renew our minds, because if you're not renewing your mind, you can get caught up in what people are saying and lose focus. Romans 12, 2 says, and do not be conformed to, the, to this world, but be transformed and progressively changed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is for that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. So key, this is how we know the will of God. This is how we know his plan and purpose. We must renew our minds because there are so many people like Jesus's brother and they are close to you because your Bible will say, Kokoroton Jeffo, Idiefo Loa. I don't even know what to say, how to say it in English because that's the only way I can say right now. Literally, your worst enemies are your closest friends. Another thing to know here, if the fullness of the time of your purpose has not yet come full cycle, right? You have to be sensitive to putting yourself on display for the world to see, especially when it is driven by the motive of fame or to be popular. So do not let anyone or culture pressure you into stepping out of your waiting season prematurely and, and in turn causing you to step outside of the timing and the will of God, outside of his space. There's an appointed time to be displayed or announced to the world. It is so key. If Jesus went there before his time, who knows, maybe we will not be here today enjoying, enjoying what he did for us on the cross, right? In verse six to nine, so Jesus was basically saying, I get you, I get what you're saying, but you don't have anything to lose. You guys can go, go to Judea without me. You don't have anything to lose. The truth is the people who don't understand purpose don't have anything to lose because purpose requires sacrifice and sacrifice involves loss. So they don't, they don't get it because they're not working in, those guys are not working in purpose. So as extraordinary disciples who are working in purpose and intentionality with God, please do not put unnecessary expectation on people who are not like-minded like you. They don't have anything to lose. So don't expect them to understand what you're saying because they don't get it. <laughs> they don't, but you do, you have something to lose because it is your purpose, it is your life. So Jesus's brothers weren't walking fully in purpose. So they didn't fully grasp what Jesus meant. They also didn't have anything to lose by going to Judea. It wasn't them they were seeking to kill anyways. The world didn't hate them. It didn't hate their message. The world, they didn't even have any message to deliver anyways. They didn't have a purpose message because they weren't doing anything that was exposing the kingdom of darkness. They were not, they were not, they're not relevant. <laughs> if you're not walking in purpose, the reality is that you're not really relevant in the grand scheme of God's plan. This is why it's important to seek your purpose in God. So they, weren't, they didn't need to kill them. They're not 
exposing the kingdom of darkness in any way. They were not transforming lives. They weren't impacting lives. They weren't walking in purpose. They are not targets to the enemy. They are not, they're not a threat to his kingdom, right? Purpose always impacts the life of others. So the devil didn't care about them because they weren't walking in purpose, but he cared about Jesus because he knew what, what the impact of Jesus would be, right? So this is why we must focus on our focus, especially when it comes to walking this life and this journey of purpose with God. Jesus just couldn't afford to kill purpose before the fullness of its time. He, he didn't afford, to, he couldn't afford to do that. And he knew, so he didn't let all what he was hearing just sway him. Sometimes you have to stand out from the crowd. Just because everyone is doing something, going somewhere, doesn't mean you should be there. It doesn't mean your purpose and path is calling you there, right? Just because everybody is maybe, I don't know what's really trending now. Everybody's doing a challenge on Instagram. Does not mean you should be doing a challenge. That's just an example. You know, we must understand our purpose just because everybody's using Zoom doesn't mean you should use Zoom. <laughs> just because everybody's doing IG Live or doing something on YouTube or something doesn't mean you should be doing that. Find out where your path is and follow that. Sometimes people won't understand you and it's okay. They don't have, to un they don't have anything to lose. So just don't care about that. Remember, it's not your purpose. It's your purpose and life not there. So stay on your own purpose lane. Stay focused. And I would love you to repeat this after me. I will stay on the path God has chosen for me. <laughs> we all have different assignments. And we must just stay on that path. It is okay for folks to do what they do, but this does not apply to everyone. So if you're walking in purpose, you must discern these things. You must know when to stay and when to go. Never follow the crowd or advice of the crowd, even if it's your family members, and even if it is with good intention, stay and remain where you are. Jesus's brothers did not believe that he came to die. They didn't believe in his purpose. That's the truth. Not everyone will believe in your purpose. They, they did not know that he did miracles calls and all that so they knew that he did miracles like okay we see you you do you know we see you you're doing big things here and there but they didn't really believe in his purpose i just that, i find that very interesting like so people can actually just you know they ah we know you you're doing well you're making money you're balling or, or like wow you're always popping you launching new products but they don't really know what you're about <laughs> basically um so they may see what you're doing and be cool with it because it yields fruits, they see results, they see tangibles. But because they don't have full understanding of your purpose, they now want to make, now want to make you do things that are not aligned with your purpose because they're not really aligned to the core of who you are. They're just aligned to your results. So they may give you suggestions outside of the will of God and that are not in alignment with your purpose. You must be discerning and you must be very astute in your pursuit of purpose. It is not that they're against you walking in purpose, but they just don't, they lack understanding and they lack knowledge. And that is why Hosea first one says, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. I think we get the message. Moving on to verse 10 to 13. But when his brothers had gone up, he also went to the feast. Um, and then there were people were complaining, they're like, where's Jesus, whatever. So as mentioned, Jesus didn't go with them. He did his own feast in secret. So it is not everything that requires public display. Some things can be done in secret. 
It doesn't reduce the potency or potentiality of the thing. Jesus still observes the feast of the tabernacles or shelters, and he did it in secret. He did it in Galilee. He didn't have to go to Judea where everybody was going to, right? Then he goes on to say people were looking for him and they were complaining about him. So people, so I believe some of his disciples, so he had his quarter, but he also had many disciples that he was teaching. So the crowd disciples, which is what we call them, they gossip about Jesus. So just be ready. Even within your community, your people will gossip about you. It is what it is. They did it to Jesus. They will do it to us too. They gossip about Jesus at the feast, but they kept it hush because they didn't want the Jews to hear them talk about it. So they were expecting Jesus to come there, but he didn't. Jesus really garnered attention. Like he was that guy that people talked about. So when you're when you do when you're walking in purpose, people will talk about you. It's just it's just part of the package. They will talk good things and they will say bad things, right? So if you're going against the crowd, if you're going against culture, if you're going against the norm, expect to experience these things. This is why God is teaching us. Some said he's good. Others said he deceives people. Just expect these things. Some people say really good things about you. Some people will just lie. It's part of the package. Again, welcome to good company. People will say both good things and bad things about you. Get used to it. If Jesus has to go through this, then we will. In John 15, 20 to 21, Jesus said, remember and continue to remember that I told you a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours. <laughs> but they will do all these hurtful things to you for my name's sake. So it's not really about you. It is about what you carry. You must always remember that when you're getting attacked by people or even maybe sometimes depending on what God has called you to do, if you're, if you're like in direct contact with <clears throat> the kingdom of darkness, like you're an intercessor or something like that, it's not really about you. It's about the impact you're having. So to be honest, if you're not getting haters, you are probably not doing something right. Let's be, let's be, let's be honest in this conversation. If people are not hating on you, you have not done something to influence the kingdom of darkness, yes? Because once you begin to shake the kingdom of darkness, when your light begins to shine and your, your light is attracting other people and snatching them out of bad mindset, poverty mindset, limiting mindset, things that have held them back for years, you know, all these things, then they, be, they hate you because it is what it is, right? And it's not about you. Again, it's about what you carry. So keep that in mind as well. So we don't get carried away like, oh my God, they hate me, they hate me. It's not about you, it's about what you carry. And that's why God protects us. He protects his anointed. Bible says, touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. It's because of what you carry. So he protects you. So you can always lean on the protection of God as you walk in purpose. So don't be afraid. Don't be scared. So moving on to verse 14. While to 16, while the feast was going on, in the middle of it, he went to the temple to teach. So he observed the feast, and while at it, he went to the temple to teach. This is so key. Jesus observed and performed his rightful duty, even though he didn't go to Judea, where the main action was going on. He still taught in Galilee. I assume that rabbis taught during the Feast of Tabernacles. And remember, Jesus is rabbi, like they called him rabbi, 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 teacher, teacher, teacher. And just because he didn't make it to Judea, he didn't say, let me take a break. <laughs> Let's just chill. Ah, you know what I mean? Like, when, we're not in Judea yet. Now we're not in the main thing. We haven't arrived. So let me just chill. He didn't relent on his responsibility just because he wasn't at the primary location where all the action was taking place. Just because he doesn't have 10,000 followers on Instagram. Just because he doesn't have a huge platform. Just because 
no, not the most popular in my in my office or in my class or whatever. He didn't say, I'll just sit back and not do nothing. You don't take a break from duty. Faithfulness is still showing up for faithfulness is showing up for duty when no one is watching or when you are not yet invited to the main stage. You must always remain faithful to your assignment and purpose, no matter what. Sometimes on this call, we're two people. Sometimes we are one. <laughs> Sometimes we're eight. Sometimes we are five, but you still show up regardless, right? It doesn't matter how many people show up. Jesus served where he was at. He stayed on track with purpose. Perhaps in that moment, his purpose was to teach at the temple in Galilee. Some of us need to serve where we are at. Serve the season you are in faithfully. Be faithful in the little. Be faithful where you are. The Jews at the temple were shocked at how Jesus knew so much. They thought, they thought to themselves, ah, this, he, hadn't, he hasn't studied. How, did, how does he know all this? But guess what? Actually, Jesus actually studied the law. He educated himself. He studied the word. He studied what he needed to know. This is also how some people will say about you. Ah, how do you know so much? Where did you, how do you know so much? How do you know the Bible so much? Yeah, so they say, how do you know so much at your work and your business? When did you start? Does she have the qualification or education? Like literally the cycle of life. Jesus experienced it. We are experiencing it. And every generation <laughs> experiences this thing. Because history indeed repeats itself. But Jesus answered them in verse 16. He said, my doctrine is not, is not mine, but his who sent me. That is the difference. When God calls you according to his purpose, it is his word. It is his doctrine. It is his message. It is his teaching that you share, right? So Jesus only taught what God told him to teach. He only taught what the spirit led him to teach. So I'm not going to come here and teach what they didn't send me. <laughs> Because it is not my doctrine, it is what God says. I'm not going to go to my office and present what the Holy Spirit did not tell me to present because it is not my doctrine, it is not my work, it is God's work. So when we look at our work, our nine to five, um, our businesses, our relationship as that God is in it, he's the one, it's like basically like his work, like ministry, whether you're in proper ministry or you're in a business, you would move differently because then you allow God to move through you and then you're literally speaking what he tells you to speak. And so today we have the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth and teach us. The Holy Spirit is indeed our helper and teacher. And I talk a lot about the Holy Spirit because he has literally changed my life drastically. I didn't even know that this guy was a thing. Do not sleep on the Holy Spirit. This guy is literally the plug to everything in life. I'm telling you, everything you need he knows it. In John 14, 26, Jesus said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, all. I'm telling you everything, including the lotion to use on your body, what to eat for breakfast, what to eat for dinner so that you don't have sickness, everything. And to bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So it doesn't matter what your qualification or lack thereof is. The Holy Spirit is always there to help you. So if you have the Holy Spirit, you don't need to even know anything. People, people want to feel like they are the most educated. To be honest, you don't, when you have the Holy Spirit, you don't need to know plenty of things. You just need to lean on him. Of course, you, you probably have to get qualifications and all that because the Holy Spirit literally browses your head, your mindset. This is why he always says renew your mind. So if you are very educated, the Holy Spirit can work with you because you have a brain like with so much information, right? So he's always searching, but we must always take in the information that we need because he searches our brain. And if you don't have it in your brain, 
area in like your mind, your subconscious, what he will do is that you'll begin to, you'll begin to introduce what you need into your environment. So sometimes maybe you're not aware of like someone and then suddenly you just are seeing the person on your timeline or you just are seeing a word and you just wonder, what is this? And then you kind of research it. So once you do that research, it sits in your subconscious. And then what he now does is he then goes into your subconscious to remind you. So that's kind of how it works. Um, just a little spill on that. So moving on to verse 17 to 19, Jesus then Jesus says, if one seeks God's will, he will know the doctrine too, and he will be able to tell if it is from God or from man. So remember, there's wisdom of man and there's wisdom of God, very different. A lot of people are speaking wisdom of man, and they sound so good, but indeed, it's foolish <laughs> because the wisdom of God is superior, and we must seek the wisdom of God, very important. When you seek God's will, and, and you are being led by the Spirit of God, you will be able to know if the word or the teaching that you're hearing is from God or man. This is why we must help the Holy Spirit because sometimes I might even say something that is not the exact interpretation, but it's the Holy Spirit that would help you clarify that thing, right? So then Jesus says, the person who seeks God will seek to glorify God and not himself is true and there's no unrighteousness in him. This means that you can tell if the word is from God's authority or man's authority based on who the glory goes to. The person who seeks, speaks of his own, of his own personal will, seeks to glorify himself, seeks his own glory, and usually gives the accolade or the accomplishments to himself. So when the generation of I, 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 self-made, self-this, DIY, this, independent, this, to be honest, all those things are mindsets of the world. Think about it. If you are if you are independent, then you don't need the Holy Spirit. You don't you can't depend on Him. So that mindset in itself is already nullified because the Holy Spirit is a helper. And what do you do to help? You depend on help. But the person who is under God's authority will only seek to give glory to God. This means that if you are about seeking the glory of God and doing His will, Jesus says you are a true one, and there's no unrighteousness in you because you remember righteousness is being aligned to God. So those who focus on doing God's will and seek to give glory back to God have no unrighteousness in, in them, meaning they are in full alignment with God. Righteousness is seeking God's will, not perfection. Remember, it's never about perfection, but seeking to bring glory to God and seeking his glory. So one of the things the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to see was why we should give glory to God. I know a lot of people, it's, it's because of culture. We don't really want to say God, God, God. But the reason why we give glory to God is that when we, when we give glory to God, we are literally giving Jesus back a portion of his rightful inheritance that God promised him. So when Jesus was going to die, God said, I will give you the world. Like if you die for these people, I will give everything to you. So literally the entire world belongs to Jesus. So every time we take, use our platform, we use that where every time our job glorifies God, every time our lives glorify God, every time we use our platform to bring glory to his name. What we're literally doing is that we're giving Jesus a piece of his inheritance. Every time you buy a property and you dedicate it to Christ, he's literally taking it off his list. So the more you give God the glory for what he has done for you, the more Jesus claims back a part of his inheritance and kind of goes on and on. It means Jesus would eventually have a large percentage of his promised inheritance of the earth. So when a lot of the world kind of is being occupied, the territory occupied by Jesus, then he comes back. 
to earth. That's kind of how it works. So in this season, because the, the coming of Christ is so near that you're going to see online, everybody's going to be talking about God. It's just what it is. It's just what we are. Almost every, because he's going to be claiming a lot of the, the territories on earth. That's kind of, yeah. So anytime Jesus gets a portion of his inheritance, God is also glorified, right? So verse 19, Jesus then said, did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? Again, savage Jesus, his dad, the train mad shade again said, so you guys, so he was saying to them, like, so the Jews, like, you don't keep the law. Don't, don't you keep the law of Moses? Like, according to that law, it says, if you don't obey the law, it says you should be killed, right? So if you're not killing yourselves, since you're not obeying the law anyways, why do you not want to apply that same law to me? Like, so basically, they were, they would do, they would circumcise on Sabbath, but like on Sabbath, they're not meant to work. But because circumcision was mandatory <laughs> and it fell on the Sabbath day, they would be like, oh, let's circumcise. But again, Sabbath, they're not meant to work. So which one are you doing, basically? So it is clear that double-minded things didn't start with our generation. From the days of the Bible, people have been double-minded. So they created rules to justify themselves with it, but they were, it was basically working against them. And this is why Paul said in Galatians 3.13 that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. The law has a way of setting us up against ourselves. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in and why he's so key. He allows us to live in the liberty of the spirit. We are set free by the spirit. So finally wrapping up verse 20 to 24, Jesus told them that even in their own form of righteousness, so their self-righteousness, what they saw was good in their eye, they still disobeyed the law of Moses on Sabbath by trying to keep the law of circumcision on Sabbath. So, they, so shouldn't they be resting or should they be circumcised? Like, which one are you doing? <laughs> so two laws contradicting themselves. So if circumcision fell on Sabbath, they did it anyway, so they don't disobey the circumcision law. But they were mad at Jesus when he healed the man on Sabbath day. Doesn't make sense, right? And this is how the law traps us in our souls, right? This is why Jesus came, because it's like these human beings, you guys come up with, even it happens in our day, in our day to day, somebody was telling me about, um, like, I don't know if it was a governor, I can't remember, but like made a law, now is the law, <laughs> the law is now being used against him. <laughs> he made the law, but now that law is working against him. I can't remember the states. Um, but yeah, so Jesus told them to look deeper so they can judge correctly. So don't judge based on appearance. That's what he says in verse 24. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. He was saying, what he was saying was, don't judge based on the first layer of truth. That's so powerful. Do not judge based on the first layer of truth. Always dig deeper and analyze all truths before making a decision. We always have to look deeper to make the right judgment. Because there are all, there's always there are always multiple truths to a, and layers to a situation, and unless God Himself opens your eyes to see the main truth, that is God's truth in the matter, you would always be making decisions based on half truth. Because there's something called multiple truth. Because think about it, if there are two people in a situation, there's the first truth is my own point of view because it's true to me because that's what I believe. The second truth is the other person's point of view. The third truth is. The motive, there's also a motive behind your truth, your thoughts. So that's the truth in itself. Both people, right? Then there's also the truth of 
who is if somebody is watching your argument they have their own truth concerning the matter as well then there's also god's truth the one who sees it all he sees the motives he sees he actually sees the situation everything that relates to it so he sees the root cause of why you reacted maybe you you are someone who gets angry but that anger it's not really you because but it's something that's been deprotected so he knows the real truth so it's so that's why jesus said do not judge according to appearance but judge with righteous judgment know god's truth concerning any matter before you say anything so key this is the end of our teaching so here are the keys to notes that would enable you to live an extraordinary life number one there's an appointed time for the fulfillment of your purpose um, there's an appointed time to step into the fullness of your purpose. Stepping into the fullness of your purpose before it's appointed time can be detrimental to you and to everyone that that purpose is meant to serve. That's so key to note, especially because we're in a culture where everybody's trying to be like move fast. Number two, God uses the waiting season to build us, to grow our character and to perfect us. Number three, <clears throat> you don't take a break from duty. Faithfulness is, is means showing up for your duty, for your showing up for work, showing up for the things that you are, that you know you are responsible for, even when no one is watching, or when you have not yet been invited to the main stage, when you've not been promoted, when you've not gotten that big break that you're looking for. You must always remain faithful to your assignment, to your duty, to whatever it is that God has placed in your life and your purpose, no matter what it is. Finally, the person who speaks of his personal will seeks only to glorify himself. But the person who is under God's authority will only seek to give glory to God. So this is also how we can discern people, right? When someone is always just, they don't, I mean, some people slap God in things, but you really know that it's not really about God. Even in testimonies, I've heard testimonies where I'm like, is this giving glory to God? Or is this about you? Like, but yeah, so that also helps us discern people as well. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for another time to fellowship with you and to learn from the word, um, to learn from Jesus, our lead disciple, our role model, and our mentor. We just want to say thank you. Thank you so much. Lord, help us to stay in the path of your purpose for us. We will not move too fast or too slow, but we will move at your pace. Holy Spirit, help us to stay focused on, your, on our focus and not get distracted by people, or the words that they say, or even our environment, and even culture, or the world, or the pressure. You know, there's just so much. There's so much going on around us. Just keep us focused. Keep us focused on the ultimate prize of the purpose set before us. Jesus, you are the author and finisher of our faith. Perfect all that concerns us. Father, fill us with the conviction of our purpose so that we do not hold on to unbelief, even in the face of impossibilities, but that our faith becomes empowered by your word and that, our, and that our faith grows in confidence that we can do all things through you. We can stay in our waiting period. We can be strengthened. We can rejoice. We can pray even when we are waiting for the promise because we know that you have brought us this far and you are faithful to complete it until you return, until the fullness of its time. Lord, your blessings make rich and add no sorrow. We ask that as you bless us with all your riches in every area of our lives, you help us to steward it properly. We will not squander your riches. We will not squander your blessings, Lord. Mold us and grow us into the people who can carry your blessing and to be your legacy. 
I declare that the grace that me, the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after we have suffered a while, after we have waited, waiting patiently for that relationship, waiting patiently for that offer, waiting patiently for that contract, waiting patiently for that next for that promotion, waiting patiently for that funding, waiting patiently for healing, waiting patiently for, for settlement. Lord, after we have waited with the right heart posture, will himself complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish us, making us what we ought to be, Lord. Lord, we pray and we receive this today. I declare that we are not disciples who are conformed to, the, conformed to this world, its superficial values and customs, but we are transformed and progressively changed as we mature spiritually by the renewing of our mind and focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. And Lord, as we do this, I declare that we will have clarity on what your will is, what your plan and your purpose for our life is and in every area of our lives that we're believing you for be it in our relationships be it in our businesses be it in our careers be it in our friendships be it in our partnerships be it in our finances be it in our health whatever area it might be that as we as we lean into you lord you begin to show us your will and your plan and your purposes for us in these areas lord help us to be faithful stewards of our assignments and duties help us to be faithful in every area we are working and serving resilient make us have grit thank you for always helping us leading us and guiding us and directing us into god's will for our lives thank you for always leading us thank you because you are a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path always leading us short term and long term making decisions any decision to be made even as small as what space should i buy what should i eat this morning every part of our lives we give we, we say take over and lead us into the right into your will into things that will make us healthy things that will make us grow things that will make us fruitful, things that will make us multiply. And Father, let us be ones who seek the glory of God and Jesus and not seek our own glory. Lord, keep us humble. Keep us humble. We submit our accolades. We submit our, our promotions. We submit the praises. We submit the prizes. We submit the accomplishments. We submit everything to you, the qualification, Lord. And we ask that you take glory. We give you back the glory, Lord, because we came to this world with nothing and we are living with nothing. So we give everything back to you. We give it back to Jesus, who is the rightful owner of everything that we want. Lord, I pray that we are not people that judge according to appearance, but we judge with righteous judgment. That, Lord, you open our eyes to see truth, to discern to know God's truth in every situation, 
in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. I give you all the praise. I thank you because I know that these prayers are answered and I decree and declare that there will be a performance of this word spoken and it will not delay, but it will accomplish. For as many as believe, they will begin to see a shift in their relationship with you. They will begin to open them up to the mysteries of God. You begin to open them up to the deep things of God. And I declare upon everyone listening that rivers of living waters will begin to flow out of you from the throne of grace into your belly, out of you. You will not be somebody. You will not be a mere man. You will not be a mere man. When people come in contact with you, they will be transformed. I decree and declare that from today, your life will be full filled with encounters that when people come in contact with you they would always remember you for how you made them feel you you will be a change carrier you'll be an activator you'll be a catalyst you'll be a transformer you'll be a world changer you'll be a giver your community will feel your impact you will not just exist merely in your community but people around you your neighbors your town your district your city your nation the world they will know you you will not be a mere person. You will be great. You will be fruitful. You will multiply. You will dominate. You will have impact. You will have influence. You will do extraordinary things. You are for signs and wonders from now to the end of the age. You and up onto your fourth generation, you will be. You will do wonders for the Lord Almighty. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. We give you all the praise. We say, be thou exalted. Thank you, Lord, for sharing us with your word and your promises tonight. Lord, we don't take it for granted, Lord. We just want to say thank you. Thank you, Abba. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to today's session. I hope you were blessed. I trust you were. Don't forget to invite your friends to the sessions or get them to sign up to receive our daily prayers and to get access to the bi-weekly Bible study session. The link is in the bio. See you next time. Ciao.